bonfire in Baton Rouge. The saga of the term limits convention bill took an explosive turn last week as politicians locked arms against the citizenry. Hi, I'm Philip Plumel. Welcome to No Uncertain Terms, the official podcast of the term limits movement for the week of June 29, 2020. Your sanctuary from partisan politics. The flare-up was sparked by U.S. tournaments mailers, exposing how two Louisiana legislators signed the tournaments pledge during the election campaign, but then reneged when the bill came up for a vote. Educating voters is standard operating procedure for U.S. tournaments, but apparently beyond the pale for the chummy political class in the Louisiana capital. Let's get the recap and commentary from two U.S. tournaments activists who were on the ground to watch the chaos unfold. Southeast Regional Director Ken Clark and Kentucky and West Virginia State Director Aaron Duquette. Well, let's let's you and I talk about the background and history and what went down in Louisiana. And so as a regional director, Louisiana is one of my states. We've been working that state for I don't know how long, way over a year. And we um, did a lot of voter education. We had Les Chambly, Shanna Chambly, Aaron, you've done a lot. Jeff Tillman's done a lot. Our entire pledge team's done a lot getting involved there we started back in their elections which took place a year ago and they do off-year elections and we did a lot of voter education in a lot of different primaries and a lot of different general elections and we were very successful in getting the public educated on those folks who support u.s term limits and the way they show their support is they sign a pledge promising to support an article 5 resolution calling for a convention of states for the purpose of proposing an amendment to the Constitution requiring term limits on Congress. It's very straightforward. It's very short, sweet, and to the point, but it specifically talks about an Article 5 resolution. It specifically talks about an amendment to the Constitution. It specifically talks about term limits on Congress. But there's no gray area in our pledge. You can't read it and not know what it means. You can't, it's very straightforward. It's very simple. And it's done that way on purpose because we don't want people to be confused. We want them to know exactly what they're getting into. And so we had a lot of different people in both the House side and the Senate side sign that pledge promising their support for our resolution when it came up. So flash forward to this year, we had a sponsor in the House by the name of Mark Wright. Guy did a terrific job. Um, he's a good guy. He's uh, very solid in support of uh, Article 5 and term limits. And so the session started. He filed the resolution. COVID happened. Everything was put on hold. When they reconvened, we only had 30 days left in the session. So it was very compact, very crazy, if you will. I spent uh, five of the last seven weeks in Louisiana and uh, we tried to get it punched through, passed through the House very easily. 75 to 11 was a vote on the floor of the House. Then it went over to the Senate side, and we started running into some trouble in the Senate side. And ultimately, we needed 20 votes to pass. And ultimately, um, we had two of our pledge signers, Senator Mizell and Senator Cloud, vote against us. And I was shocked, very shocked. It was led by a guy by the name of Senator Peacock, who decided all of a sudden that he didn't like Article 5. Now, this is a senator. Senator Peacock is a guy who co-sponsored the Convention of States resolution, which is also an Article 5 resolution that does include term limits. It's much broader. 
It's not just term limits on Congress, it's term limits on federal officials. So it's a much broader in scope resolution than ours. But he was a co-sponsor on that, Senator Peacock was. He also voted in favor of what we call a Faithful Delegate Act, which basically spells out how Louisiana is gonna pick and instruct the delegates that would go to the convention representing the state of Louisiana. You know, so that, that's really all that does. But he was a big supporter of that as well. Then we get to the floor of the Senate and he's speaking against us. He is spewing out all these different lies about Article 5, how it's a quote unquote con con runaway convention, all the same garbage you hear from Common Cause and George Soros back groups. He's spewing that on the floor of the Senate, caught us by surprise. Because of that, uh, Senator Mizell and Senator Cloud voted against us and we lost. Senator Hewitt, who was our sponsor in the Senate, then immediately uh, moved for reconsideration and we got it. And uh, away we went from there. So Aaron, I've been babbling, so why don't you go ahead and chime in on that too? Well, you know, just to underscore, you know, you mentioned our pledge. Folks, you know, there are several organizations out there that do uh, pledges with, with candidates and for, with incumbents uh, across the country. And some of those are a little kind of open for interpretation as to what they actually mean. Not ours. Ours is really, really straightforward. You can check it out on our website at termlimits.com. You can download the thing yourself. Here's what it reads. I, so-and-so, pledge that as a member of the state legislature, I will co-sponsor, vote for, and defend the resolution applying for an Article 5 convention for the sole purpose of enacting term limits on Congress. That's it? You want to read that again? wiggle room there. There's no gray area. It's straightforward. Unfortunately, two senators that made a promise publicly to their constituents that they would do those three things, and they have done none of the three things. They have voted against it, and uh, that's, I'm sorry, but that's uh, telling one thing and doing another. So, Aaron, read that again. I, so-and-so, pledge that as a member of the state legislature, I will co-sponsor, vote for, and defend the resolution applying for an Article 5 convention for the sole purpose of enacting term limits on Congress. Hi, this is Ken Quinn, Regional Director with U.S. Term Limits. We're going to go back to the 1787 Federal Convention in Philadelphia to examine the development of the Constitution's amending provision to determine if the framers intended an Article 5 convention to be a limited convention or an open convention. On May 29th, the first working day of the Federal Convention, Charles Pinckney of South Carolina introduced a system of government which contained a very detailed amending provision. Quote, if two-thirds of the legislatures of the states apply for the same the legislature of the United States shall call a convention for the purpose of amending the Constitution. Or should Congress, with the consent of two-thirds of each House, propose to the states amendments to the same, the agreement of two-thirds of the legislatures of the states shall be sufficient to make the said amendments part of the Constitution." Unquote. Did you notice how the application had to be, quote, for the same, unquote? From the very beginning, the delegates understood this and that two-thirds of the state legislatures would need to apply for the same amendment in order to have a convention called. On August 6th, the Committee of Detail reported the first draft of the new Constitution and the amending provision now read as follows. Quote, On the application of the legislature of two-thirds of the states in the Union for an amendment of this Constitution, the legislature of the United States shall call a convention for that purpose. Unquote. Now, although the provision was shortened, 
it still retained from Pinckney's plan the portion which allowed the states to hold a convention to amend the Constitution if two-thirds applied for an amendment. The following month, on September 10th, the provision was debated again, and James Madison moved the following proposition. I'm only going to read the proposing section to save us some time. Quote, The legislature of the United States, whenever two-thirds of both houses shall deem necessary, or on the application of two-thirds of the legislatures of the several states, shall propose amendments to this Constitution. Unquote. This motion to amend the provision passed. Five days later, on September 15th, the delegates were reviewing the provision now designated as Article 5 for final approval. Delegate George Mason of Virginia objected to the wording because he, quote, thought the plan of amending the Constitution exceptionable and dangerous. As the proposing of amendments is in both the modes to depend in the first immediately and in the second ultimately on Congress, no amendments of the proper kind would ever be obtained by the people if the government should become oppressive, as he verily believed would be the case." Unquote. Mason noticed that the wording did not reflect their intention, and he did not want to leave it up to Congress to propose the amendment applied for by two-thirds of the states. Upon this objection by Mason, a motion was made to require a convention on application of two-thirds of the states to completely remove Congress from having part of the proposing process initiated by the states. Now, although Article 5 no longer specified that the legislatures had to apply for the same, it was clearly the understanding. To demonstrate this fact, all we need to do is read the words of Madison before they voted to restore the convention mode in the provision. Mr. Madison, quote, did not see why Congress would not be as much bound to propose amendments applied for by two-thirds of the states as to call a convention on the like application, unquote. You see, Madison thought it would be unnecessary to require a convention because Congress would be bound to propose the amendments applied for by two-thirds of the states. Now, if two-thirds of the states did not specify the amendments in their application, how could Congress propose them? Obviously, Article 5 requires the states to specify the amendment or amendments they are seeking in their applications in order for a convention to be called by Congress to allow them to propose it. Please join us at termos.com and let's make the framers proud and use Article 5 as they intended us to do. So, you know, the back out is, it puts us in a situation. What are we supposed to say? We're here to serve you guys, right? We serve the voters, and the voters overwhelmingly want term limits on Congress. In Louisiana, the number is 85%. Yeah. So why in the world would we keep quiet when we see that this pledge is broken? I don't know how you walk that back. I, I just don't know. And, uh, you know, it was crazy because we, um, when that vote happened, we put some Facebook posts up in Louisiana letting people know about these two senators that had broken their pledge. And this is something they signed their name to. They had to sign it, okay? And they had to get it witnessed. We've got pictures. We've got, you know, the whole nine yards. But anyway, I don't know how you walk that back. One of them actually said, after we posted a Facebook post, telling people that they had violated their pledge and voted against something that they signed their name they wouldn't do. And they wanted an apology from us. Senator Cloud actually wanted an apology from us because we told people the truth. There are two facts, two, that matter. Number one, Senator Cloud and Senator Mizell both signed that pledge. That's fact one. Fact two, 
Both Senator Mizell and Senator Cloud voted against the resolution they had pledged to sign on the floor of the Senate. Those are the only two facts that matter. Everything else is noise. Everything else is pomp and circumstance. Nothing else matters but that. So anyway, by the time the session was over, we never did get back up for a vote. Senator Hewitt was able to get reconsideration, but it never came back up for a vote. So fast forward about 48 hours, and they start a special session, another 30-day session. So our resolution was germane to the special session, so we filed it again. Uh, Representative Wright did it again. And we were able to pound through the House very quickly, very easily, without any real opposition whatsoever. And we got to the Senate again, and we made it through the Senate Governmental Affairs Committee, and it moved on to the floor. And we had, Aaron, you spent a week there, and you were lobbying. I spent a week or a week during the special session there. And so tell everybody what kind of things you were running into when you were there working the Senate. You know, we having individual conversations. We had some real positive conversations with uh, a few individuals that actually initially voted no. Um, and uh, members of both parties that were looking at this and going, hold on a second, actually, maybe this is something that I can get behind. Uh, you know, sometimes the, the education on, on the issue and on what we're doing here kind of is a little slow to catch and you come back through a second time and they understand it and they're all for it. So, you know, things were moving in the right direction uh, in some regards, but we also got, uh, you know, a couple of people get a little weak need. And, uh, you know, the bottom line is these couple of pledge signers. I mean, I can't get around that. No way, no how. I don't know if, you know, we get some folks that are offended that we're showing a little growl and a little snarl, but, uh, you know, that's what we owe the voters to do. Um, we're here for the truth. We're not here to to uh, to allow legislative dishonesty to happen, right? And here's the thing. We spend money, a lot of money, educating voters on where people stand on term limits. Based on that pledge, we spend money letting people in those districts know it's called voter education. A lot of organizations do it. That's what we do. But it costs money to do it. And so we spend that money educating the voters on where these candidates stand. Okay, I mean, that's what we do. And for them to sign a pledge and then vote against it, as an organization, we didn't have a choice. We had to let people know what was happening. Hi, this is Stacy. On Tuesday, June 16th, Council Member Ella Jones was sworn in as mayor of Ferguson, Missouri. Mayors get sworn in all the time. So why is this one of particular significance? Jones is the first black and first woman mayor ever elected to lead the city that became popular for racial unrest back in 2014. The city's term limits opened the seat up, allowing a woman of color to assume the top role. Ferguson has a population of more than 21,000 people and is part of the greater St. Louis metropolitan area. Because the city had been suffering from long-standing racial tensions, protests, looting, and riots broke out, and the police responded with militarization. This sparked more riots in several cities around the country that lasted for weeks. According to the city's website, the city council consists of six council members and a mayor. Two council members are elected from each of the three wards. The mayor is elected at large and also serves a three-year term. The term limit set on these positions is three terms for a total of nine years. 
Jones was the first black woman elected to the Ferguson City Council in 2015. She challenged the incumbent mayor three years ago, but lost. This time, Jones's predecessor was ineligible to run for a fourth term due to term limits. With an open seat, Jones defeated a fellow council member in the June 2nd race and makes history at a time when equity, inclusion, and diversity are important concerns. Term limits opens up seats, offering more choices, more voter engagement, and a more representative government of citizen legislators and administrators. If you think that term limits are an important part of restoring faith in a broken system, please sign our petition at termlimits.com. So at the end of the day, we dropped some mailers earlier this week in Senator Clouds and Senators Mizell's district. And the legislature in Louisiana had made some of them angry, so they pulled us for a final vote. We will not get a final vote in the Senate. Representative Mark Wright was uh, not real happy about this, and so he pulled the resolution from the Senate and stopped a vote from being had. And uh, so we're done this year. We're going to have to go back next year. And so that's basically where we are in Louisiana. We did not pass, and uh, we're going to start all over next year. Aaron, you have any last any last words you want to put on that? Well, you know, uh, all I can say is, you know, we were cruising through for the second time <laughs> in as many months, uh, right through the House, right on through the Senate committee, and then we run into a couple issues, and uh, yeah, we're at a loss how to explain this, right? How do you how do you make your promises and then expect people to uh, to cover that up? I don't know how you, I don't know how you walk something like that back. I don't no, either. So I would have just put that to Mark and say, Mark, man, what are we supposed to say, man? Yeah. So. Yeah. He was not real happy when he found out those two senators had voted against it the first time. He was right. unhappy with them for voting against it. And those are his words. How do you walk that back? Yep. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Very discouraging, huh, guys? But we're not going to give up and the fight continues. And we're going to come back with a vengeance in uh, Louisiana, would you say, Ken? <laughs> this is so far from over. What these guys fail to realize is we're in this for the long haul. We've got to get to 34 states, all right? I mean, we have been battling, I don't know how long in Utah. Um, I don't know how long in North and South Carolina. I mean, Texas, other, other states. It is a big deal to amend the Constitution, and it should be a big deal. But you know good and well that Congress is not going to limit their own terms, so it's up to the states to do it. The thing that bothers me the most about this whole thing, right now the United States of America is literally on fire, and state legislators are afraid to use their own power to fix what's broken in Washington, D.C. They're the only ones with the authority, they're the only ones that have the constitutional authority to change it, and they won't because, and I'm sorry to say this, but most of them are cowards. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of No Uncertain Terms. With elections coming, your state legislator needs to hear from you. Go to termlimits.com and under the current actions tab, choose contact your state legislator. Put in your address and you can send an email to both your state house and senate rep to sign the term limits pledge. That's termlimits.com under the current actions tab. Thank you. We'll be back next week. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave a review. 
the No Uncertain Terms podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and now Google Play. Shriek? U-S-T-L.